1: The price of a barrel of oil has been steadily rising since seeing a low point of $42 in late December four months ago. And as we are heading into the summer driving season, the price of Brent crude oil has hit $72 while U.S. West Texas Intermediate crude sits above $64 a barrel with gasoline prices on the rise as well up about 20 cents a gallon in the last two weeks. Part of the issue continues to be the amount of oil on the world markets, despite agreements put in place last December by members of the oil-producing countries of OPEC and Russia to lower their production levels. So what might we see with oil prices and how much will this hurt consumers at the gas pumps? We're joined on the phone by Chuck Mason, Associate Dean in the College of Business at the University of Wyoming. He's also Chair in Petroleum and Natural Gas Economics at the school's Department of Economics. And also joining us, Craig Pirong, who is a professor at the Bauer College of Business at the University of Houston and Director of the Global Energy Management Institute. Chuck Craig, great to have you both back with us today. Thank you gentlemen. Thank you. Our pleasure. Thank you. Uh, I, I guess let's start with the summer and we'll get into the more of the guts of the, of the discussion on oil. Craig, uh, normally prices do go up as we head into the summer months. I mentioned the rise we've seen the last couple of weeks. Should we continue to see kind of a normal pattern for summers?
2: Oh, yes, absolutely. We'll continue to see a normal uh, pattern. Uh, The EAA, just uh, Energy Information Agency uh, today, came out with a forecast. And as normally, they predict uh, higher prices in the summer, but actually somewhat lower than last summer. Chuck?
0: Yeah, you see this sort of thing every year, and and it's largely driven uh, by the fact that that as we pull out of the the depths of winter, people just drive more. So there's a greater demand for gasoline, and that translates into a greater demand for crude oil.
1: All right. So now the oil story, I think, Chuck, is is important because of the agreement that was made, what, about four months ago, uh, OPEC and Russia said that they would kind of trim their production. Now starting to hear some some rumors that Russia may be thinking about backing out of that deal. What type of what are you hearing and, and what type of impact would this have?
0: You, you know, this somehow, it, it sounds like deja vu all over again, doesn't it? Uh, these two countries have been flirting with with arrangements for, for many, many months. Uh, sometimes they, they seem to strike a deal. Oftentimes the deal is, is, is sort of shallow and uh, a little bit like a paper bag. So I don't think there should be anything of great surprise. Uh, a perhaps larger concern would be, impacts uh, on global crude markets because of other producers, uh, Libya, Venezuela. um, And and you sort of always lurking in the background is this Iran stuff. And, you know, I think those are probably larger deals than whatever posturing comes out of Riyadh and Moscow.
2: Craig, your thoughts? Well, the the Russians have always been somewhat reluctant participants uh, in this agreement. Uh, the level of prices uh, right now is, I think, pretty much to their liking. And some of the uh, uh, people in the Russian oil industry, uh, for example, the head of Rosneft, uh, Igor Sechin, have always been uh, sort of uh, uh, champing uh, at the bit to, uh, uh, to to increase output. And uh, so I think that uh, the the fate of the deal is uh, somewhat tenuous right now. Um, uh, but as uh, Joe pointed out, the, uh, uh, the, um, um, uh, the other, other factors uh, are probably uh, going to be of more importance in the next several months. Yeah,
1: but talk about Iran for a second, Craig, because they, they obviously play a, a, uh, an important role in this process, and putting the sanctions in place against them impacts them by how much in terms of their production over the course of a, of a day.
2: Uh, I, I, I don't know the exact number over the course of the day, but uh, uh, they they have uh, suffered a substantial uh, decline in their oil sales. Uh, and there's a uh, article in the Wall Street Journal the other day about uh, how they uh, are, are are trying to sell oil desperately and uh, nobody wants to buy given the sanctions uh, situation. And they're having to resort to all sorts of subterfuge to try to uh, uh, to get oil uh, out onto the world market. So it has had a substantial impact on, on, on their output and their sales. Chuck? Yeah, it seems
0: a little bit like a black market, doesn't it? That, that people will always look for ways to work around. A lot of a lot of the trade has been with um, with countries that are <clears throat> a little bit harder for us to exert pressure on. Uh, for instance, China, um, maybe to a degree India, and these are big international consumers, and so it, it doesn't take it doesn't take a lot of movement from from those two countries to you know to sort of create an opening for Iran. Uh, my my hunch would be that they will uh, continue to find uh, workarounds and and will be buying Iranian oil for some time to come.
1: It, how how important is Venezuela, Chuck, in, in this process as well? Especially considering what they are going through, not only as a country but uh, as an important oil producer, at least in South America.
0: Well, they've historically been very important, but this uh, you know this this sort of large international role is, is something uh, of a, a relic. For them, and and they struggle to find markets. Uh, we've we've had this conversation in, in past episodes, and they're they're kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place. They do deals with China, but they're largely to to uh, kind of offset debts that they have to China. They try to do deals with with India, but I don't know that there's much traction there. So they they're as I say historically important, but but contemporary effect is is a little bit less uh, meaningful.
1: You're listening to Knowledge at Wharton here on Sirius XM 132, Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. Joined on the phone by Chuck Mason of the University of Wyoming, Craig Pirong of the University of Houston. We're talking about oil prices as we head into the summer months and the impact at the gasoline pumps as well. 844-942-7866. Or if you'd like, send us a comment on Twitter at BizRadio132 or my Twitter account which is at DanLoney21. So then, Craig, what role then does China play in this with uh, with uh, as an oil consumer, uh, as we move forward, and their economy seemingly uh, is steadying a little bit right now.
2: Well, that's according to the official st- statistics. There's a lot of skepticism about uh, anything uh, uh, that uh, comes out of China in terms of, uh, of their official statistics. Although it does appear. That they are uh you know attempting to go to the stimulus uh, approach again to try to uh, uh, rejuvenate uh, growth and get it back up to their target levels um, and that's uh, always uh, uh bullish for commodity demand uh, including uh, oil demand so um uh, so the the uh uh, that is an important uh, factor in determining uh, demand going forward. They represent a, a relatively large fraction of, of world oil consumption, and, uh, uh, and, uh, uh, and they certainly do matter. Chuck, your thoughts? Yeah,
0: Large and growing. Um, I, I'm with Craig on this. I think, I think you should take official statistics coming from China with a grain of salt. Uh, but that having been said, they really are the beacon of hope for for growing markets uh, the projections i've seen put put uh, conjectured growth rates for china in the in the range of 5 or 6% annually and that swamps everything in the in the west Do- so So they play a really important role.
1: Do we know uh, do we know, Craig, if China in terms of the the history of their country has ever looked, uh, you know, if they have had the opportunity to be an oil producer themselves, do they have it within their, you know, within their ground? Is it under the ground in China? Do we know that?
2: Well there there are shale resources for example in China but they have not been uh, uh, all that successful in developing them and yeah, I think uh, in the near to medium term uh, the prospects for for major um, uh, output uh, out of China is uh, uh, relatively limited. Why so?
1: Uh, and because is it part partly because the investment that you have to put in in, in the first place
2: no, the Chinese have, have always been uh, shown the, uh, their willingness uh, to throw a lot of money at things, uh, particularly uh, infrastructure, fixed investment, things of that nature. So I don't think it's a constraint on investment. I, it's just basically a constraint on the, uh, on the resource base.
1: Chuck, uh, what about uh, America right now? We are, uh, what, the largest oil producer right now at, at this point. And, and how, do, how, does this, how does all of this going on impact us right now?
0: uh well i think you know the 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 growing uh, the the strength of the bullishness of, of crude markets is just great news for for oil producers particularly in in west texas uh and to to a degree in the bakken and uh in northern colorado and eastern wyoming and you're you're seeing you know kind of robust drilling efforts that that are a reflection of of those uh, very strong markets and and so i think As we, you know, as we go forward, you'll you'll see uh, very strong production coming out of the states, strong and growing.
1: Then, what also? How do the disputes over the potential of building pipelines play play into the the want of growth, Chuck, for the oil industry here in the U.S.?
0: I think they're really quite critical. Um, You know, finding finding deposits uh, that that one can tap into is is important, of course. But uh, but doesn't mean much if you can't get stuff to market, as the folks up in Alberta are, are uh, painfully aware of. Uh, but I would think uh, you know there seems to be real strong interest in, in expanding pipeline infrastructure in Texas, and and that would seem to be in my mind that's the biggest issue right now. The Dakota Access Pipeline online is, you know, facilitates extra production coming out of the Bakken. So those are kind of the big dogs in the room, and um, it could be so much worse. Uh, it was so much worse in 2014, uh, but but you're right. It, having it's really important to have necessary infrastructure, and and one might argue that we're not we're not as 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 robust there as we might be. Right.
2: That uh, the U.S. has uh, less of an issue than the Canadians uh, right now in terms right. of uh, uh, of constraints on getting their oil out, um, <clears throat> uh, and in the U.S., uh, you know, Chuck mentioned Texas. I mean uh, that that's intrastate, and uh, that uh, Texas has been uh, always uh, fairly uh, uh, accepting of that, and the construction of pipelines within the state. So that hasn't been as much of an issue. It's just basically that the uh, uh, the development of output in the Permian, not just in oil. And natural gas <clears throat> has uh, uh, has been uh, so rapid that the pipelines haven't really been able to catch up so there's been a a game of leapfrog uh, <clears throat> in recent years between uh, uh, uh production and uh and and pipeline capacity and uh, so i i I would anticipate that we'll see the bottlenecks easing over the, the medium term.
1: You know, it's interesting, Craig, because I think we, we when we talk about oil in general I think the natural assumption, and I, I to a degree made it earlier, is that you naturally link oil right to gasoline and gas prices and what we pay at the pump, but we, we don't talk enough about the impact that it has on various businesses around the United States, thinking about the airline industry being, one, the impact that the the rise in oil prices or decline, and the hedges that some of these airlines have had to put in place on gasoline for their, uh, for their Jets.
2: Yes absolutely and but and this is sort of an illustration of how uh you know, speculators uh, frequently get a bad rap, in the, the the derivatives markets, the futures markets, et cetera, for uh, uh, energy and other uh, commodities uh, frequently are, are heavily criticized. But they really do play a vital role in helping companies uh, like uh, uh, airlines uh, manage their price risk, and also help producers uh, manage their price risk. Um, so, uh, so that's actually one thing that will, uh, you know, cushion uh, has the potential to cushion um, the, the impact of price fluctuations on, on people that are producers and or consumers of, of uh, energy products. Chuck? Yeah,
0: Craig makes an astute point here. We, we, we do tend to think of speculators as, uh, I'll call them lemon pickers, not cherry pickers. You know, they, they, they do the worst, but, but they do serve this very important role of, of smoothing out, arbitraging out what otherwise might be quite profound swings in prices. Um, as to the 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 way that that airlines might uh, deal with this sort of looming risk, uh, I think it's noteworthy that that one very large carrier, delta addressed this by uh, by integrating upstream into the uh, petroleum refining business. So having a refinery helps them smooth out what otherwise might be some some potentially very dramatic dramatic wrinkles.
1: 844 Wharton is the number to give us a call with your comments or questions. 844-942-7866. Or if you'd like, send us a comment on Twitter at BizRadio132 or my Twitter account, which is at Dan Loney. L-O-N-E-Y 21. We're joined on the phone by Chuck Mason of the University of Wyoming, Craig Perong of the University of Houston. Again, 844-942-7866. Or if you can't get to your phone, send us a comment on Twitter at BizRadio, B-I-Z Radio 132, or my Twitter account, which is at Dan. Loney, L-O-N-E-Y-21, you know, Craig, one of the countries we really haven't talked a lot about uh, at all yet uh, is Saudi Arabia. And the the role that they have obviously traditionally played uh, in OPEC has been a a significant one. Uh, And their role in terms of really kind of managing this process of production cuts with the OPEC countries and Russia as well and how they view what what needs to be done moving forward
2: uh well they've been uh, sort of an overperformer in terms of production cuts and they've borne the uh, the, the brunt of the production cuts um, and uh, uh they you know look to be uh, continuing that uh, going forward um, so uh, they've they've been the spring, uh, swing producer for 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 many decades uh, and they're playing that role uh, uh quite uh, quite aggressively right now and it's putting them in uh, uh, something of a uh, uh a delicate position with the, uh, the the Trump administration with the United States and that also plays into the Iranian situation that we talked about earlier because yeah. there's a, the geopolitical aspect to it uh, uh, as well. So, uh, uh, but, they, but, yes, they've been, uh, uh, they've been the, uh, the, the, the leader in, uh, in these output cuts and in, in being very aggressive in meeting their commitments. And they
1: really want to keep these cuts in place moving forward.
2: That's correct. So they're, they're very invested in trying to keep uh, the Russians on board um, and uh, uh, also for uh, a variety of other reasons, that's why they really are uh, uh, focused on uh, trying to re- uh, pressure the uh, the U.S. administration to uh, not to uh, renew the waivers uh, for uh, Iranian uh, crude imports that uh, the government, the uh, U.S. government, has granted to various countries. So, uh, um, yes, they're definitely in 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 favor of continuing these cuts. Chuck,
1: your thoughts on Saudi Arabia?
2: Yeah, they they really are quite an interesting player. Here. There's there is this uh, really
0: intriguing uh geopolitical undercurrents, the hostility between Iran and Saudi Arabia, uh, which plays a pretty important role. One thing that that struck me, I saw recently, uh a prediction that the Permian Basin would be outproducing Saudi Arabia in a relatively short order sometime within the decade. And and so, you know, I think I think the Saudis role as kind of being something like a swing producer in international markets um, I think they're on the bell lap
1: what then then how is this going to change the dynamics of oil production moving forward in a place in a region like the Middle East Chuck
0: I my gut feeling here would be that uh, that this this market is uh, it, it's coming it's becoming more fluid uh, more competitive, in large measure, because of the the emerging role of of major production basins in the United States, particularly the Permian Basin, as that becomes more important globally, the role of of large producing countries uh, will will wane and and their historic impact on on crude markets, suspect will become something of a, a historical relic.
2: Craig? I I pretty much would agree with that.
1: Sure. Well, then, then, what is the future then, in your mind, Craig, for OPEC? Uh,
2: Well, yeah. So that's a very interesting question. People have been debating the future for OPEC for. For decades, uh, and I guess the one way to characterize it is that it will. I think it will continue to muddle through, just as it has muddled through uh, uh, for the past you know 20, 30 years. Um, uh, so it's like all cartels; uh, it faces uh, 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 internal tensions, uh, conflicts of interest among its members. Uh, its uh, its its prospects uh, wax and wane, and I I, you know, I I I would I would bet on form uh, to that continuing in the future
1: 844 942 or if you'd like send us a comment on twitter at bizradio 132 or my twitter account which is at dan 21 we touched on a little bit chuck but again the, the geopolitical side of this also plays a, a an important role with all of these different elements kind of in play and how they link in with the with the actual price of oil and what uh, people end up seeing at the at the pumps when it's turned into gasoline
0: Yep, you bet. It's um, it really is interesting, isn't it? Uh, You have kind of these big uh, kind of uh, dramatic interactions between major uh, producers outside of the United States, Russia, Iran, Saudi Arabia. Um, And and it makes for, you know, kind of interesting. uh, It's not television drama, but, you know, interesting drama but i think uh enjoy it while you can because the chances are of it of it really impacting uh international markets going forward are, are just going to become slimmer and slimmer craig
2: yeah no i that it's uh, uh i would agree that that's 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 likely to be what we're going to see going forward
1: what is the expectation then, uh, then Chuck? That, that, that again, the consumer should look at here in the United States moving forward. Obviously, you have the summertime where you see that normal price increase, but uh, it feels like we we saw that downturn in, in December with the oil prices. Are we in a fairly normal state of, of oil pricing at this point?
0: That's, a, that's an interesting question. I've been thinking about this a lot uh, lately. I, I teach every spring a class in oil and gas economics, so that it's. Uh, top of mind for me and for my students. I suspect that this is uh, this is pretty typical, you know, in the grand s- sweep of time. But there are these things that are lurking in the background. And, and <clears throat> just, you know, thinking about what's happened since January, crude prices have increased depending on which of the two markets you look at, somewhere in the neighborhood of 30 percent plus or minus a couple uh, basis points, which strikes me as a little bit abnormally uh, fast. So there may be some other things that are – Going on in the background on form, this seems pretty common, but but this is you know maybe a little bit more dramatic are,
1: than usual. Are, are there are there specific things that you look at where that's concerned? Just
0: just wondering <clears throat> to what extent uh, the effect of uh, sanctions against Iran and uh, sanctions against Venezuela have affected expectations? Not so much the production, but anticipations of what's going to happen going forward and and those expectations can play a really important role expectations amongst buyers expectations amongst refiners producers uh you know uh, big big international crude oil producing companies the whole enchilada correct
2: yeah, well, I I agree and but I I would push back a little bit on on Venezuela. I think that they are really, you know, suffering from a a decline in output and it's not really related to to sanctions. Uh it's it's related to their own uh internal dysfunction. And in some respects Yeah, the the uh, yeah, it's it's hard to say. You know, what's what is normal in the oil market? That's kind of a hard uh, hard thing to uh, define. Uh, But one measure would be is how volatile prices are. And although uh, I agree with Chuck that the uh, that the trend has been pretty steep here, uh, prices have actually been relatively uh, less volatile than we've observed historically. So the one measure of that, uh, the volatility measure, is about twenty five percent and. And historically, that's been about 35%.
1: So, Great having you both with us again. Thank you, Chuck. Thank you, Craig. All the best. Thank you. My Thank one. you. Chuck Mason at the University of Wyoming, Craig Pirong at the University of Houston.
0: For more insight from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.